Welcome to the Matt Mosley Show. We're happy to be joined right now by Kevin Gull, the uh, athletic, athletics chief strategy officer and also a senior associate AD at Baylor. And um, Kevin, this is this has to be. I know you've accomplished a lot in your uh, uh, your young life, but but being on the Matt Mosley Show has to rank somewhere. I would say in the top three or four. Is that is that overstating it? Uh, I don't think it overstates it at all. And and not only a Matt Mosley show appearance, but the the coveted Friday before a holiday weekend spot. I, I thought that was when you could just kind of let it fly, and you know just really say whatever's on your chest. Is, is, is there the equivalent of like a news dump? Is there a guest dump? It's like uh, let's have Kevin on Friday before the holiday weekend. This is the Matt Mosley Show. Here's your host, Matt Mosley. a lot to discuss it's been a busy few days hope you had a great holiday weekend and uh, we are ready to roll we got a short week a lot to accomplish this week and at um, 320 we are going to talk to Chuck Cooperstein the uh, radio voice of the Dallas Mavericks as we try to figure out what exactly is going on with the Mavericks and what happened what took place and it's um since we left you, everything was looking peachy. It was 2-0. Going to get the crowd behind them. Maybe close out those Clippers. Maybe just sweep them right out. Two straight losses at home. Luca, not himself. Uh, something, you know, going on with an injury. Um, I, I would say that is something we need to talk about. And I'm pleased that Garrett Ross has rejoined us. Garrett, uh, uh, left on a uh, kind of a mini vacation and went to East Texas to be with some friends. And I think the friends finally said, uh, Garrett, it's time for you and your family to head on back to civilization, <laughs> head on back to Central Texas. But uh, you were out Thursday, Friday. Steven Simcox was back with us. I mean, we are playing with people's feelings here, Garrett. I know. I mean, it, one, one, I mean, you're gone. People are sad about that. And then Simcox was back. My longtime cohort. Everybody's like, all right, okay, Steven's back. What I hope to happen is to have both of you on with me. Now, that may be asking too much, and apparently it is. But uh, Steven is off somewhere else today. You are back. Did you, what did you accomplish? Did you get some rest? Were you able to kind of relax and let that East Texas sort of, well, when I go to East Texas, all the cares seem to go away. Oh, yeah. And uh, I relax and take a deep breath a little bit. Did, were you able to accomplish that? I was. It's always nice for me to – East Texas always feels like home to me, so it's always nice to go back out there and enjoy some time under the pine trees and around some good friends. And Yeah, so we were able to do that. We took the kids up to Jefferson, spent the day out there, um, which is always a lot of fun. And then we were able to take in a basketball tournament. My friend's son plays for Pine Tree, and they had a big basketball tournament going on. They had 81 teams from across East Texas come out. And uh, they did this cool thing. It's uh, one of the players on his team was recently diagnosed with leukemia. And um, so they all the money that they raised, they raised almost 14 grand. And it went wow. towards him and his family. So it was a lot of fun. Nice. Raised some money. And uh, that's uh, for a good cause. Did my uh, alma mater, the Kaufman Lions, enter this tournament? Did you see them listed? I didn't see Kaufman. I saw Lindell was there. White House was okay. there. Beckville. 
yeah. some Kilgore, Pine Tree, uh, but Kaufman was not in attendance. White House, the home of? Patrick Mahomes. That's right. That's right. That's where he came from. And uh, got a little bit of college breaking news for you. We are the official home of all breaking Baylor news. And, of course, John Morris, I mean, he's a big Baylor man, too. We both are, um, although he's the voice of the Bears. But, uh, but I like jumping on these kind of breaking news type things. Mm-hmm. And uh, the John Morris show happens at 2 o'clock every day. It leads into the Mosley show. At 3 o'clock, I don't know if that's the way John really likes to see it. I mean, it's not like he's warming up the crowd for me. He's just It's a great combo. It's Mo, its Morris and then Mosley, two longtime Baylorites, back-to-back. All right, uh, Garrett, this is uh, the matchups have come down for the 2021 Big East-Big 12 battle. Yep. All right, and um, I, I you and John probably mentioned this because you're all over you got a good nose for breaking news. But I, I want to mention some of this because it's interesting, some of these matchups. Um, Stevens TCU Horn Frogs play at Georgetown. Texas Tech at PC. Who is that? Providence? Uh, I believe, yeah. No, I don't know, honestly. P- PC. All right. But the, tomorrow, most importantly to our a lot of our listeners – um, Villanova plays at the Farrell Center. Ooh. All right. Villanova will be coming to the Farrell Center, and we will see the Bears with a Kinjo at guard. Man, I'm trying to get a Kinjo on. I want to talk to I, I want Del Bonner. I want a Kinjo. I want these transfers to jump on with us. I found out a Kinjo was on campus, and apparently – you know, Ken Joe's working on, he's, he was doing a Maymester, doing a quick Maymester. Who knows? He may have more important things to do than to talk to us. It's very sad to admit something like that, but I, I think it may be the case. Um, we also had, and so Villanova at Baylor, that's a return of a uh, in, very interesting matchup over at Hinkle Fieldhouse. I believe that was in the Sweet 16. I'm trying to think, Elite 8 is when they played Arkansas, right? And then before that, they played Villanova. So I think that was a Sweet 16 matchup. And so Villanova will be coming to Waco to play the Bears. And Coach Jay Wright, he always bounces back. And they were without Connor Gillespie. At last chance, I, I, I saw, now in this new breaking news, they actually have a picture of Gillespie. So I'm not sure what that means. I think he was sampling the draft. And I can't remember if he's made a decision or not. That'd be huge for Villanova if that guy came back and played for them. The other matchups are UConn at West Virginia, Kansas at St. John's, Texas at SHU. What's that? Big E. Seton Hall. Seton Hall. Well, I don't, we don't know these things as SHU. I've never seen, In my whole life, I've never seen Seton Hall called SHU. I've never All either. right, Iowa State at Creighton, Texas Tech at PC, um, at TCU at Georgetown, Butler at Oklahoma Sooners, the cockiest new coach in uh, Big 12 and maybe all of college basketball is that coach at, at OU. Um, that, that, now, that guy that came from Sister Jean School, yep. came from Loyola Chicago, Porter Moser, he is big-time cocky, and I kind of like him. He's kind of fun. Xavier at Oklahoma State, and then Marquette at K-State. I thought they would relegate K-State after this past season right out of the conference. But uh, 
I tell you, between K State and Iowa State, that was a those were rough seasons. And then it's it's unfair to me that Kansas then goes and gets Iowa State's best player. Did you see that? I did. They kind of well, they flipped. Iowa State had a player go to Kansas, but then the the you're right, the best player ended up going to flipping. But yeah, you can't be doing that. <laughs> yeah, leave them alone. They did not win a single conference game. All right, other news. Jared Butler made the announcement we all knew was coming at some point, and I, we didn't really know why he was uh, why it was taking so long. But he he did come out, and Jared Butler, the great Baylor Bear, has uh, decided that he is going to hire an agent and go to the NBA. Okay, and and uh, so this is not just a sampling type deal. He's he's uh, and you know what? After three years at Baylor, he's done everything he could possibly do. I mean, we could get greedy and say, "Come on, give us one more year, Jared," but. You know, at age, he's still really young. I think Jared's only 22, but you have to um, you have to get on out there and and try your hand in the draft. And there's a belief that uh, Butler will go somewhere in the 20s. Obviously, Davion Mitchell has jumped up there and is now being mentioned in the top 10. And if you're in the top 10, you have to go. If you're in the top, if you're in the first round, you really have to go. If you if you pretty much know you're in the first round. I don't know that Jared for sure knows that, but that is the uh, that seems to be the belief. And uh, Garrett, you tell me if you've seen something newer than this. Last time I saw him, they were projecting him to the Los Angeles Lakers at about like twenty-two or twenty-four or whatever the Lakers are going to end up picking. Uh, they had him going to the Lakers, and uh, that would be really interesting. And that's a team that could certainly use some guard help, but. Uh, I've got Jared Butler down as one of the most important recruits of the uh, of the Scott Drew era, and you you certainly can go back to Tweety Carter and even before that Curtis Gerald's and Henry Dugat. You had some big ones. I mean, those guys were all extremely important. Rico Gathers, Quincy Acey ended up being a, a very important recruit out of uh, out of Mesquite Mesquite Horn, I believe it was, mm-hmm. but. Butler just brought so much character, so much ability, and somebody looked it up. They said the first game he ever played at Baylor, he was one for six. I think he had two points his freshman year and in a loss to Texas Southern. So it didn't begin. It was an inauspicious start, but it ended in a beautiful fashion with a national title, and uh, we all tip our hat to uh, Jared Butler. Garrett, do you – I mean, I when you think of the great recruits in Scott Drew history, obviously from a portal standpoint, Mitchell ended up mm. being extremely important. So same thing with Maceo. But uh, and, and also from a, a transfer was um, the Michigan uh, F.A. Udo. Yep. That came from Michigan. That was a that team with Udo, Lace Darius Dunn, Tweedy, Lomers, and was it Anthony Jones? Before that, it was Kevin Rogers and that bunch. Anyway, there were a lot of important people, but I don't know if you could find anyone more important to the Baylor program ever than Jared Butler and the culture that he brought, the uh, the joy that he played with, and just the uh, the leadership that he provided. But, boy, you when you talk about student-athletes, sometimes we hear that and we roll our eyes. Student-athlete. I mean, they came here. Well, you know what he did in three years? He, re- he graduated, and it was very important to him, and, and he got his uh, degree in three years, 
and he also led when when all the BLM movement was was going on mm-hmm. in the in the in the aftermath of George Floyd's murder. Uh, what was he doing? He was out there leading the way and was one of the leading speakers as far as on the uh, from the student athletes and quite honestly for the entire university. This guy has it all, and uh, I I just uh, can't say enough great things about him as we say goodbye to the great uh, Jared Butler from Baylor University. Uh, to me, I, I think if you look at overall career, I think Jared Butler is the best player to come through Baylor it, it, in the Scott Drew era for sure. Um, you know, obviously what Davion was able to do in a one-year uh, sample size this year was tremendous. I, and I think that that might be regarded as the best single season. But, yeah, I mean, I think that both of these guys have the potential to go on and have big careers. I was looking at Bleacher Report, and they have um, Davion going ninth overall to the Raptors, and they have Jared going 19th to the Knicks. So either way, I mean, he they, the potential for him is him going into one of these marquee markets and kind of cutting his niche there. Oh, the Knicks. No, because they just love everybody in New York, don't they? Oh, they, they, they yeah, just absolutely. Really, they just embrace you. and <laughs> Oh, man, that's the only thing. I mean, that would be fun, and I think he couldn't handle it. But I'm just thinking about some of these late they, – they took uh, – uh, Tilakina, mm-hmm. you know Frank Tilakina from um, where was Tilakina from? Is he from France? Anyway, wherever wherever Frank was from, um, or Italy, that did not work out. That's been sadly kind of a bus situation, and uh, yeah, that that's it. it, it they just had some guard issues, and and this year they had a guy they took from Kentucky named Emmanuel Quickly who'd been great. And then they get him in the playoffs, and they can't get anything out of him. R.J. Barrett's been kind of rough in the playoffs. Same for Julius Randle. So not an easy place to go and and be a uh, star. But, uh, you know, Hardaway Jr. got out of there, and he's really helped the Mavericks, although he's kind of fallen into a pit in these last two games. I think Obi Toppin's Uh, handled it pretty well. Yeah, I – yeah, well, he's kind of a – I guess he's not really a guard, though. I was thinking of specific guards, but – Toppin is getting more playing time in the playoffs than he did in the regular season. So I'm with you. He's doing okay. But I thought quickly was great all season. And then they get into the playoffs, and they don't they don't give them any time. They, they just give up on people quickly, and they put them in tough situations. So all I'm saying is that's not the first place I'm rooting for Jared to go. You know, it just seems like some places rookies step in. And I like that coach right now. He's from Dallas. He went to St. Mark's. Taylor... Jenkins at at uh, Memphis. I like him. I like the Jazz. I like teams like that that seem to be great places for young guards and young players to find their way. Same thing for the Denver Nuggets. I just feel like Monte Morris shows up there and he goes from Iowa State to a uh, fringe NBA type guy to really really great backup point guard. And part of that is you want to go to places that have really good player development. And I think that's important. You know, I, I don't know what's going on, Garrett. This uh, this stuff going on in the NBA with, with, the, with the fans, I mean, I, I, we, we got to address that. Maybe after we have Chuck Cooperstein on, we will. But we, we had a guy get tackled in a game where, uh, where he comes out and he tries to jump up on the was that that was in DC? Wasn't yeah, it? was that the uh, Wizards? Yep. Yeah. So Wizards are playing. We don't know what's going to go happen there because we got the Sixers now with their best player. We're waiting on the MRI to come out with Embiid. 
And then we had a, a water bottle thrown at Kyrie Irving, barely misses him. So they're getting after that guy. He's been thrown in jail, and, and uh, they've, uh, they've um, filed charges for uh, a dangerous weapon. I had somebody, Garrett, getting after me like it's not really a dangerous weapon. I'm like, it's setting an example. 20 feet away. Yeah. I mean, seriously, seriously, with a bottle full of water, you chunk that thing about 20 feet. I'm sorry, that thing's going to hurt. You don't think that thing could break somebody's orbital bone or break some bone in the face? Absolutely it could. So I don't care if you don't like it or not. I mean, you're going to throw water bottles. Be big enough to go to prison. Be big enough to go. You're going to be big man, sit up there in your Garnett jersey or whatever it was. Be big enough to get hauled right out of there. So a really bad look for that. And then that fan who decided to go, I don't know, what was he doing, Garrett, trying to touch the... Edge of the backboard or something? I don't know what he was doing. He was I don't know what his game plan was once he hit the court. You know, like I mean, what I don't know what he was hoping to accomplish there, but to me it's gotten to a point where you're just getting attention, right? Like I, I don't know. I, I think it's this is why I've always had a problem with going to games in person anyway. I don't like being around all those people doing making dumb remarks and everything. But it's kind of escalating. Yeah, and as somebody said, it might be people have just been cooped up in the house so long and they get out there. But I I do kind of hate sometimes that some idiots, you know, give a whole crowd like a bad name. Yeah. I mean, we let it happen. And then the the thing with Osaka. I mean, we may need to to, to talk about that at some point. Boy, one of the greatest stars in tennis has pulled out of the French Open. Roland Garris, because she didn't want to talk to the media and has is having some issues, mental health issues. Man, that's a that's become a big story. All right, but next we are going to talk to the radio voice of the Dallas Mavericks, my longtime friend, Chuck Cooperstein. That's next. This is a Fox 44 weather update. I'm Chief Meteorologist Mike LaPointe. Mostly cloudy today with a 30% chance of showers early. High temperatures top out at 83 degrees. It'll be mostly cloudy tonight with a 50% chance of showers developing. We see low temperatures fall to 66. And tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a 60% chance of rain in the morning. Otherwise, a lot of clouds at 84. Join me every weeknight during Fox 44 News at 536 and 9. For your forecast first, plus check out fox44news.com for any changes in the weather. Drive it forward with a First Central Credit Union auto loan this summer. First Central will donate to the local Boys and Girls Club when you refinance or get a new or used auto loan. Rates are as low as 1.99% APR on a new vehicle. Every auto loan activates a donation to be given to your Boys and Girls Club. Plus, you can defer your first payment for up to 90 days. It's money for kids and a new ride for you. Visit FirstCentralCU.com. Everything we do, we do for you. Loan subject to credit approval and some restrictions apply. Offer valid through August. Member NC. I'm Joe Kaleo with Kaleo Wealth Management. I love what I do. Every day I have the chance to help people chart a path toward their financial goals and pursue their dreams. We build relationships with each client and enjoy seeing how they appreciate there's someone working just as hard as they are to help meet their objectives. Kaleo Wealth Management is a Central Texas team of UBS Financial Services, member FINRA SIPC. 
Real Texas Gun Show Saturday, June 5th and Sunday, June 6th at the Harker Heights Event Center off Edwards Drive. The Real Texas Gun Show, proud to be the place where small mom and pop vendors share the floor with large dealers that buy, sell, and trade firearms at the show. The Real Texas Gun Show has more than just guns. You'll find preppers, survivalist supplies and equipment, hunting gear, fishing gear, camping supplies, collectibles, and so much more. So head on down to the Real Texas Gun Show, June 5th, 95, and June 6th, 10 to 4 at the Harker Heights Event Center. Have you been tagged yet again in an engagement ring photo? Are hints being dropped all around you? Rest assured, DMRA Fine Jewelers has been rescuing men seeking the perfect ring for over 25 years. Come in with a picture of her dream ring and we'll make it a reality. With our five-year financing, custom design team, and selection of diamonds, we'll make the whole process fun and enjoyable. DMRA Fine Jewelers on West Waco Drive. For a limited time, refinance your vehicle and have 90 days with zero payments. Only at Genco FCU. Refinancing lowers your rate and you pay less for your car. One winner will have a chance to win a 0% loan. You can't pass on rates as low as 1.75% for 48 months. Apply online today. Annual percentage rate subject to change without notice. Subject to credit approval, membership eligibility, and loan policies. Go to GencoFCU.org. NCUA equal housing lender. My money, my future, my credit union. Genco. ESPN Radio Sports Center. I'm Ward Watch with your ESPN Central Texas Sports Center update, brought to you by Slovakic Sausage in West. The NBA playoffs continue tonight with the Celtics at the Nets. The Nets leading that series 3 to 1. Tip is at 6:30. Trailblazers at the Nuggets with the series tied at 2. Tip at 8 o'clock. And the Lakers at the Suns. The series also tied at 2. Tip is at 9 o'clock. Texas Rangers on a six-game losing streak head into Colorado to take on the Rockies tonight. 7:40 first pitch, and you can hear that game on ESPN Central Texas. Houston Astros continue their series with the Boston Red Sox tonight. First pitch at 7:10. UIL Softball State Tournament is underway in Austin. The Crawford Lady Pirates look to defend their state championship, starting with the semifinals versus West Sabine. First pitch at 4 today, and you can hear that game on Shooter FM. Sports Center, every 20 minutes, only on ESPN Central Texas. Your home for the Dallas Cowboys, ESPN Central Texas. It is uh, Matt Mosley's show here at Ross alongside, and we are rolling through a Tuesday after the holiday. Always love having this guy on. My longtime friend and colleague at 103.3 ESPN Dallas, Chuck Cooperstein, the voice of the Mavs joining us uh and chuck i mean it we were feeling so good headed into uh friday <laughs> things were things were looking up i think a lot of good vibes and i think a lot of people had buried the clippers and as you've seen um you, know, you can look at all those stats only four times have done it but once a team gets up off the mat uh and if you allow that to happen you know, you think momentum can get going the other direction. Uh, but I, I'm telling you, Chuck, it was uh, – I did you <laughs> – I don't guess any of us saw this coming, did we? Or did you have any inkling this thing could turn on a dime? Well, not after the Mavericks got up 30-11, to 11, seven and a half minutes into game three. Mm-hmm. And the place is absolutely bonkers. And, I mean, they're, they're getting ready to party like it's, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, Mardi Gras. I mean, it was incredible what was going on. And then, you know, the fact the Clippers somehow scored.
scored 14 straight points to get right back in the game. And, you know, it, it would have been one thing if they made a little run. Hey, you know, it's the NBA. Everybody makes a run. But if the Mavericks have a nine-point lead or a ten-point lead at the end of the first quarter instead of a three-point lead, I think it, it, it looks a lot different. But the, the, the uh, enormity of the run by the Clippers to get right back in the game and then ultimately to take a lead um, you know, really did kind of a, you know, douse the flames that were going on in the arena. And then you know, L.A. goes for the, for the kill shot by you know, doing probably what they should have done a long time ago, and, uh, but were just too stubborn to do it. And that's to go to the small lineup and put Nick Batum in at the five and take Zubac out. And since that time... Uh, they have just been absolutely awesome defensively. In fact, the Mavericks in those six quarters have not had a single quarter in which they have shot 40% from the floor. Golly, isn't that, that's remarkable. Did you see that deal where Batum called up Dial? It's so funny. I, I saw that story that he called up Dial and I think Draymond Green as well uh, to kind of uh, – talk about, you know, how they did it and how they played in a small lineup and all that. And it was it was fascinating to read that because in my mind, I had actually thought Batum kind of reminds me of Dial. Now, I'm not saying exact body type. Maybe it was the bald right. head or something. But there was something about his play that honestly well, was French. reminding me of Dial a little bit. Uh, yeah, they're different players. I mean, they're just, they're just because Dial had a kind of a crafty – you know, uh, and, and obviously he was much bigger. I mean, he, he was Di was carrying two fifty at least, uh, yeah. and, and sometimes yeah. more. And uh, you know, he, he had some craftiness around him around the rim. Uh, Di never defended on you know out top the way that Batum could and does. Uh, so, but 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 the point is well taken that you know they 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 needed they needed something to be able to. Uh, be able to, to if they were going to switch as much as they want to switch, uh, they were going to need somebody uh, more adept at doing that than Zubats was. Because all Zubats was going to do was drop, and that just gave the average shooters too much room. They might be uh, here. They were able to get up into the shooters, and also, but uh, I, I do think Kawhi actually did take on the challenge of playing more against Luca defensively and, and trying to either. You know, to fight under screen, fight over screens, go under screens, but make sure he tried to stay attached to him as much as he could, as opposed to automatic switching. And, and that that changed the series around. And, and that's uh, it's it's going to be very interesting to see how the Mavericks uh, try to respond to that tomorrow night. What type of uh, lineup changes they make, or just stylistic changes they make, and how they play. Talking to Chuck Cooperstein, voice of the Mavs. Also, boy, he loves his golf. I thought about you out there at Colonial. Were you, I, were, were you able at all to slip out there? Like I'm trying I did. To I got out on Saturday. Yeah. I did get out on Saturday. Got to walk around a little bit. It was really kind of weird. I mean, you know, the PGA limits crowd 10,000. So, I mean, literally, even with the last group, if you, if you wanted to, I mean, you could be on the ropes with the last group. It was, it was pretty, actually. And it was actually kind of fun. But uh, uh, the, the energy wasn't quite what it needed to be or what we always expected to be. And, you know, hopefully next year they'll have 40,000 well, 40, people back there. And, uh, you know, it, it'll look more like uh, a normal Saturday at Colonial uh, and certainly a Sunday at Colonial. But it turned into a heck of a tournament, too. Yeah. 
Well, and uh, Phil out there, I loved his answer. He's like, well, I didn't play very well that first day, he said, but I did win the PGA Championship. <laughs> kind of like, <laughs> like, who the heck cares how I played right. out here in round one of the Colonial? But that's a course we both love and love the uh, history of it and all that kind of thing. Um, how compromised when you see Luca? And now, again, we both know that from time to time, people will see him go down and go, oh, my gosh, Luca!" And then he generally bounces back. Now, this has been a lingering, this is more of a problem than Luca going down in a heap and thinking, oh, is he okay? And then he, he always seems to, uh, you know, be able to bounce back. This, this is not that. This is, has been some sort of lingering thing. Uh, he, he didn't want to use that as an excuse the other night. But it, it, to your eye, uh, how much is, is he compromised right now from what you could tell in, in game four? Well, I mean, I don't know that this was a lingering thing. Uh, I mean, I think he took a pretty good shot uh, from Marcus Morris, actually, uh, during game three. And that that's when things seem to change for him. And you can notice that he was uh, noticeably wincing. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think mm. that uh, it, 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 it had – I mean, I think it had an effect, but I don't think it was the reason why uh, he didn't play as well as he's played in the other three games. I mean, listen, you can't expect him to be as good as he was in the other three games because he was unconsciously spectacular in all of those games. So maybe there was going to be a, a natural drop-off. Of course, we haven't seen that from Kawhi Leonard yet, uh, although he was pretty average in the first game of the series, and he's been great for three consecutive games. Uh, but, um, you know, perhaps it has, you know, it affects him and his passing and his vision because he can't really, because he uh, is struggling to move his head, you know, to his left. Um, but hopefully, you know, you get two full days of treatment and around the clock treatment on it and hopefully get it feeling better where, uh, you know, he can, he can be more like himself because I think the Mavericks really do need 33 to 35 point a game, Luca, for them to be able to win at least one of these two games in the series to force a game seven. It, it, isn't it almost like the other players feed off him? I mean, if, as long as he's getting his usual 30 to 35, it sounds crazy to say that, but that's been who he is through his, you know, the young playoff career. But Hardaway Jr., Dorian's not been good in these last couple of games, uh, but these other shooters that early in the series that were knocking everything down, it's almost like they need the head of the snake to be doing his thing for them to get their confidence. I, I don't know if it's too simplified or not, but it, 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 at least, I don't know, it seems like when he's not right, they're not right. Uh, I don't know that I would quite go there because you know, even as well as the, the Clippers played defensively, you know, and, and really it was, it's more on the things that happen in the lane and not letting the Mavericks do very much in, in their two-point shooting. Um, I, I think... There, there were a lot of shots that were missed that, that had been going down in the first three games. And, again, not that you were going to expect the Mavericks to shoot 50% from three-point range. I mean, that's just, just not sustainable. But the, neither were you expecting them to shoot five of 30 either. Uh, the one thing the Clippers did really well uh, was run the Mavericks off the line. You know, if, they only, if the Mavericks are shooting only 33 a game, I mean, at least this year, that's, uh, that hasn't necessarily hurt them. Uh, but, you know, when you're only making five of them, <laughs> it doesn't matter what happens here. It's going to be really difficult to win. Talking to Chuck Cooperstein, voice of the Mavs. 
Okay, uh, Porzingis, the enigma that is Kristaps Porzingis. It, when he's great, he's great. When he's bad, he, he seems to be pretty horrible in that uh, game three experience. Uh, nine points, couldn't get it going. You know, they tried to kind of feature him when Luka was, was on the bench, and that wasn't working. He was trying to shoot over smaller players. Um, what, what do you sense is going on with him? He was a little bit better the other night. But uh, And it does seem like people particularly love to beat up on this guy. I would say it has something to do with the insane amount of money. You know, the max contract that he has plays a role in that criticism. Also, the fact he's 7'3 and been called the unicorn. Where, where are you with uh, Porzingis uh, in this series? I'm fine with him offensively. You know, I just he needs to make shots. And, you know, listen, games two and four, he made shots. In games one and three, he didn't make shots. But, uh, you know, he's just, he just has not been good defensively this year, and, and that has been a problem. I mean, last year he was a legitimate rim protector. He was in the top five in shot blocks in the league last year. And, again, it's not even just about shot blocks, but it's about protecting the rim and forcing more difficult shots. Uh, you know, I thought in the second half of game four that uh, he and the Mavericks actually did a better job of that when you consider the Clippers had 20 points in the paint in the first quarter, and I think they had 44 the rest of the game. Uh, you know, there were times where the Clippers were trying to get it in. You know, Leonard would get deep in the lane, but uh, in, he, he didn't. He couldn't shoot over Porzingis, so he passed the ball out, and, uh, you know, they whipped around the corner, and then there was a three that went down, so how the backs would be worse, as opposed, you know, a three-point shot as opposed to a two-point shot. But, you know, he, he's, he's just not moved well laterally defensively this year. And I don't know if that's because of the surgery, uh, you know, how fast he came back from the surgery, or if it's you know, what happened there late in the season when he missed 10 games. You know, that he, he's not quite right from that. Uh, I don't know the answer to that. And uh, it's not as if the Mavericks are particularly forthcoming when it comes to stuff like that uh, as it relates to injuries. But uh, that's where he, that's where he Mm-hmm. 
so, you know, you put Penny Smith on Kawhi, you put uh, uh, Richardson on Paul George, and, you know, Doncic is on Morris, and you, you worry about everything else, you know, from there. But I, I think that might be that might be one solution that they're looking at to, uh, to try to combat what's gone down here in the last six quarters, for sure. All right, well, I'm just hoping getting away from the AAC. We were so excited about this crowd and feeding off the crowd. Now you're like, well, maybe they can get off, get on the road and get their uh, mojo back. By the way, uh, Boris Diaw, back in the Western Conference Finals in 2006, he was giving me tips on where to go for sushi in Scottsdale. You know, because I always was working those strange angles with the Dallas Morning News. And so I, I do recall... Boris Diaw telling me to go to a place called R.A., which I believe is one of the better sushi outfits there in um, Scottsdale. So, uh, and, and a man, as you said, Diaw did not miss a lot of meals, and so I think he was <laughs> the right guy to be telling me where to go eat. He probably was, and, uh, and, let, and let us hope that somehow uh, things work out as they did that year. The Mavericks and the Suns are playing in the Western Conference Finals, and we can revisit a trip to R.A to see just how good it is. Or if it's even still there. Oh, my gosh. Those, those, boy, you're bringing back some, some fun memories. Even <laughs> ran into our, the, the, the late, great Craig Sager one night, sitting at one of those uh, watering holes. And, and in walk, I mean, you could have, I think the same night, um, Stardemeyer came walking in there late, and I was way more excited to see Sager come walking in. I thought, man, this is NBA royalty right here. And he had one of those great jackets on. Uh, I think Kevin Blackstone may have been in there as well. But uh, anyway, Coop, always fun catching up with you. And uh, uh, let's go. Let's try to go go get them tomorrow night. All right, Matt. Thanks a lot. Take care. There he goes, Chuck Cooperstein, voice of the Mavs. You hear him on the radio all across all the uh, fine Mavs markets. Uh, it is uh, Mosley alongside Garrett Ross. And Garrett, this is boy, this is kind of your world, so I'm going to lean on you heavily coming up. I hope you're ready. Um, we have uh, we finally have ended the longest dead period in the history of college football. I don't know if that, I, I think that may be true, I, other than like the war or something. Yeah. The longest dead period in the history of college football has been lifted. We can have folks on campus. The coaches can talk to the kids. Face-to-face, what does it mean for the Baylor Bears? What does it mean for others in the Big 12? We discuss next. Crawford Pirates Ladies Softball, presented by Bird Coach and Ford from the State Softball Tournament in Austin, Texas. Join Ward White's Tuesday afternoon on our sister station, Shooter 92.9 FM, for Crawford Pirates Ladies Softball. It's Crawford and West Sabine, and it's Tuesday afternoon at 4 o'clock with our pregame show at 345 on Shooter 92.9 FM. Southwest Sports Medicine and Orthopedics, the team physicians of Baylor Athletics. Our doctors specialize in the diagnosis and treatment of any and all sports-related injuries. Celebrating over a decade of service to Central Texas, our doctors are equipped to handle a wide range of issues. Whether it's your foot or ankle, your hand or wrist, knee and shoulder pain, or you're in need of our arthritis and total joint clinic, trust the doctors that Baylor trusts. Southwest Sports Medicine and Orthopedics, our goal is to get you back in the game. My house has a new glow, I love my windows, universal windows direct. 
is here, and many of you are realizing it's time to replace those old windows before the hot weather gets here. Call Universal Windows Direct of Central Texas and schedule an in-home consultation where you can discuss your specific window needs with an expert team member. Universal's exclusive Unishield windows are sealed with Duralight. That's a non-metal spacer that has life expectancy five times that of other systems. And they're offering 0% financing for 60 months. That's 0% financing for 60 months. Contact Universal Windows Direct of Central Texas for a free in-home estimate. UniversalWindowsCentralTexas.com. That's UniversalWindowsCentralTexas.com or call 254-301-7760. And be sure and check out their great Google and Angie List reviews. I love my windows. They've got that brand new home effect. Universal Windows Direct. For over 15 years, Wings Pizza and Things in Temple has been your go-to spot to watch the game and fuel up on great food. As the name implies, you can get delicious wings in 15 different flavors and amazing fresh-made pizzas. But that's not all that's on the menu. Try one of their burgers, sandwiches, or wraps. Or check out their new specials, which include two for $28 meal deals or their family feast. And you can top your meal off with something from the sweet spot. Wings Pizza and Things is family-friendly and has more than 60 TVs, so you know your game is on. Go to wingsintemple.com for their menu. Hey everyone, Will Arnett coming to you from the set of Lego Masters. This season, the builds are bigger. Let the bricks fall where they may. This is unreal. The challenges are more intense. Why are you copying our build? What? Oh. And the road to being crowned Lego Master will be paved with over 5 million Lego bricks. Drop them here, guys. Probably should have worn shoes. Lego Masters. And stay tuned for Fox 44 News at 9. Your news now. ESPN Radio Sports Center. I'm Ward Watch with your ESPN Central Texas Sports Center update, brought to you by Slovakic Sausage in West. The NBA playoffs continue tonight with the Celtics at the Nets. The Nets leading that series 3 to 1. Tip is at 6:30. Trailblazers at the Nuggets with the series tied at 2. Tip at 8 o'clock. And the Lakers at the Suns. The series also tied at 2. Tip is at 9 o'clock. Texas Rangers on a six-game losing streak heading to Colorado to take on the Rockies tonight. 7:40 first pitch, and you can hear that game on ESPN Central Texas. Houston Astros continue their series with the Boston Red Sox tonight. First pitch at 7:10. UIL softball state tournament is underway in Austin. The Crawford Lady Pirates look to defend their state championship, starting with the semifinals versus West Sabine. First pitch at four today, and you can hear that game on Shooter FM. Sports Center every 20 minutes, only on ESPN Central Texas. Game time weekdays at 4 p.m. on ESPN Central Texas. Welcome back to the Matt Mosley Show presented by Central National Bank. Here's Matt Mosley. It is Mosley Garrett Ross. Garrett Ross, he's a big fan of this guy we're about to have on. Kevin Longquist. Longquist been getting a workout in real quick, just in time to hop on with uh with Mosley and Ross. And uh, Kevin is with rivals. And amongst many other things, but uh, does a really nice job covering Baylor recruiting, uh, all sorts of Baylor stuff, even the basketball as well. And uh, Kevin, before we get into this dead period, did you the news over the weekend? Jared Butler finally put it up there. We all knew it was going to happen, but Jared Butler um, was uh, that he was going to be going to the NBA. And I said earlier, Kevin, that I thought he was one of the most important recruits ever for Scott Drew. And while Mitchell 
obviously made an unbelievable impact this year. The three years that Butler uh, gave Baylor provided pretty an incredible foundation for this national title run. Do you agree? Agree, and I think you could call him kind of like the basketball team's version of Robert Griffin III, Matt, just because he's that transitional player that got you from one level to the next. Now, obviously, Robert's defining play was the game-winning touchdown pass against Oklahoma at Floyd Casey in 2011. I think that's kind of changed it. Now, Baylor's program, of course, under Scott Drew, had been very, very good, um, but they had missed that one link to get them there. It was kind of like that clutch player who could deliver when it mattered, and that's where Jared stepped in. And I think Jared really showed you his value, really, in my opinion, his freshman year in the game that didn't mean anything at KU, but when he put 31 points on the board there in Lawrence. And then I think the defining win for the program the following year that kind of touched off that 23-game Big 12 record winning streak was when they won in Lawrence for the first time. And I think that kind of changed where Baylor was from a national perspective, from, you know, pretty good solid program. You could count on them getting to the tournament to this is a national title contender. And then, of course, Matt, we saw that in the Final Four. He was okay, nothing great in the first four games. But in the Final Four games against Houston and Gonzaga, that's where you saw Jared at his best. And the only thing I'll say to it is that I found his timing of waiting until the end to actually do it. But obviously, we all knew it was coming and wish him nothing but the best as he moves forward in the NBA. Yeah, and, and the next thing will be to see what Matthew Meyer decides. And it looks like that, that uh, deadline, I believe, is July 7th. So I, I you know who knows. Yes, I think that's if, right. Uh, um, if, if Meyer's going to wait that long, I don't know. But that'll uh, – I, I, I would uh, selfishly and, – and I'll be happy for him no matter what he decides. But I would love to right. see Matthew Meyer in one season as a starter, getting starter minutes and, and see, what, see what that would lead to. It could lead to something great. It could lead to something scary. You never know with Matthew Meyer, but I, but I sure would like to see it. I would too, and I think, that, and I would like to think that the NBA is telling him this, and I would hope that he's using this evaluation period of saying, okay, this is the NBA saying, okay, Matt, you're this, and you're this, and you're this. Here's what you're not, and what you're not, and what you're not, and we need to see it from game in and game out. You can't go from 18 points against West Virginia on the road when they needed to practically disappearing in the finale against Tech to, to close the regular season. He was pretty solid in the tournament, of course. But Matt's just got to get to a point where he brings that every night because he's the most talented player on this team. He's the most talented player on the team last year, in my opinion. I think a lot of other people have said that. But it's the consistency that Matt, that Matt really needs to get his game because, you know, if you're going in the second round, you and I both know, and a lot of people who follow the NBA know, that's not guaranteed money. So if you don't make it, you're either going Europe or you're going G League on a contract that's far less than what you expected. Yeah, yeah, that is true. That is true. That fallback is not great. So he has to get some good information and go from there. Um, and Butler would love to have him back, but I think they've learned not to try to, you know, sway these guys or lobby too much. Let them find out for themselves and support them the best they can. Kevin Longquist sure. on with us and. Uh, you can follow him at, at Sikkim Sports, and, um, and it does a really nice job for uh, rivals. And um, what's your other one? You got some – you got this stuff there. And <laughs> well, then I've you been have, doing a little football for the last 15 years, so. Yeah, yeah, but FM you have station, like another so. – you, you have another uh, Twitter. You have another Twitter link. Yeah, or, it's, or, it's, a, 
it's Baylor. It's, it's at Baylor Rivals, and so that's the yeah. personal account where it shows what personal. I do at the top. So obviously, publisher of Sikkim yes. Sports, and of course, uh, working with Alito. And so, of course, that Alito yes. experience has been quite something of itself. So, yeah, yeah, and one of those great players you covered at Alito is now the maybe the lead tailback at TCU. And I just saw they had one of their top running backs leave. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I, that TCU's a really interesting team to watch. But we're thinking about the Bears today. The dead period ends. I said this was the longest dead period ever. And I said maybe even going back to one of the wars or something. But uh, it, it really was a weird time. Some teams took advantage of it. Some teams maybe didn't. Um, what, what do you think as this happens today? And as players can do camps and coaches can be in front of them, um, what 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 do we look for here, Kevin? I mean, does Baylor need to come out of this with with you know? Do teams need to have things happen in a hurry? What uh, what what do we look for now that this dead period in recruiting has come to a close? Well, I think obviously coaches and, and their and their staffs have been working together over the last couple of months to when they got official word that the dead period was going to end uh, after May thirty first. And how to deal with it. Now, in Baylor's case, of course, they already have 10 commits. Unfortunately, they lost uh, Cedric Roberts, the defensive tackle from Pflugerville uh, Hendrickson yesterday. Uh, he reopened. But they're still at 10. And so they're in a position, though, Matt, where I think that they can still be a little bit selective. They're, you know, they've probably got to get a little bit more active as far as, like, the offensive line and the defensive front is concerned. Could probably use a couple of linebackers. I could see their class maybe doubling from its current size to 20. And, you know, in – and then from their standpoint, they're still probably in the transfer market, too, looking for another offensive lineman if it's the right fit. So I think in Baylor's case, and of course, and don't forget they have their first camp coming up this Saturday, but I think from their standpoint, it's a matter of making sure that they're on the right message to the right targets. And of course, they also have three official visit weekends set up this month, the weekend of June the 11th, June the 18th and then June the 25th. So with those weekends coming up, or should, yeah, the, those three weekends coming up, they'll be in a position to go really make their sales pitch. Now, there's a guy by the name of Trey Emery, defensive tackle from uh, Mount Pleasant, who they like a lot. Uh, is he, could he be a guy that they could you know, win a battle for? You know, time will tell on that. But it's a case where they have to make their, make their case. Another guy that they would look for to make a hard push would be you know, Jordan Neighbors, wide receiver from Rockwell. He's a kid I really, really like. was very impressed with him at the Rivals camp in Coppell in April. Uh, and a kid that he likes Baylor a lot, but he's going to slow it down a little bit. And then there's a defensive back from Cedar Hill that, of course, you know, Joey McGuire knows from when Joey, when Joey was at Cedar Hill and Jalen Peoples. Uh, Jalen's going to come in a couple of weeks for his official visit. Time will tell on that as far as, you know, because he's got a five finalist that includes Baylor along with Tech, Iowa, SMU, and Kansas. And so, you know, those are, so those are some, you know, three targets that right off the top that, you know, to watch to see where Baylor stands with those guys. Kevin, okay, how so we'll watch these. By the way, Garrett, hold on. I'm going to reset it. It's Kevin Longquist from Rivals and uh, big-time analyst for them, a longtime buddy of mine. And uh, Garrett Ross also covers recruiting. And, uh, Garrett, go ahead. What do you have for Kevin? As far as these camps go, how important is it for, you know, the, let's talk about this 2022 class and the 2023 class for those guys who haven't been able to come on campus to finally get out there and, and kind of mix it up with these guys uh, here on uh, with Baylor? I think it's more, Garrett, about the 23 and 24 guys just because you know, the Baylor coaches have a pretty good idea who their 2022 targets are. I mean, obviously they haven't had the face-to-face contact per se uh, with them that you would like, but obviously relationships have been developed well in advance. 
for the 23 and 24 guys, this is where it kind of is going to matter. Like a DK Kalu, uh, defensive tackle from uh, Fort Bend Ridgepoint, a kid who's actually been on campus on his own making a couple of times. He was at the spring game, but now he can come back um, and really get and really visit in detail with the coaches. I think it really matters for guys down the road, not for guys of the present. Okay, I, I that that's interesting. Not just the present, the, the guys in the future and everything, and they can get on campus. So now June will this become like a just a monster month? Did you? I like that story about how coaches found loopholes in this in this system as far as seeing players on unofficial visits, Kevin. Uh, uh, and, and you you probably knew all that, but like Mac Brown yeah. at North Carolina and the guy uh, that went to uh, Drinkowitz or Drinkwitz who went to um, uh, Mizzou. They, they found a way to live within a mile of campus, and that allowed them to have unofficial visits over at their houses. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, Matt. I really think that this rule was a little bit over the top on everything. I think it was just more or less CYA more than anything from, from the NCAA. You know, I have a friend of mine whose son was a baseball uh, recruit uh, as a grad transfer, and he was looking at two ACC schools and the stories that you got from them about, you know, looking at the campus and looking at the facilities and guys just happening, players and coaches just happening to be in the same area that he was. It's not a coincidence. Okay. It's just, it's really absurd on how some of this stuff went down. And the thing is, is that it's almost like it's not, well, you, you can't touch this and you can't touch that, but then all of a sudden, but then all of a sudden all you're doing is emboldening those folks on the other side of that argument, okay, so how can I find a way to beat it? And they did. And so whose fault is it? It's the NCAAs because they try to ratchet it down far too, far too much. And that's the blowback they got. And so now they look really stupid in the way this whole thing unfolded when these stories come out with Drinkwitz and Mac Brown. Yeah. Well, I've been out looking for uh, one of those lofts in downtown Waco for Coach Aranda. And I've just been taking <laughs> a peek. I want to get one, you know, within a mile of the stadium – because uh, I don't want those guys to have an advantage over the Bears. What Max said, he couldn't find one within a mile when he was in Austin. He couldn't find any housing <laughs> within a mile. I can, I can believe oh. that, actually, and so as crowded as Austin is. and so <laughs> I'm trying to think about SMU. Now, if you, as long as you had enough money, and most of those coaches do, you could get a house pretty quick, pretty close to SMU over there in University Park and be just fine. Like, I'm a yeah, little surprised uh, Chad Morris didn't. I bet Chad Morris lived within a mile of the stadium. Who knows? I don't even know. Yeah, I mean, I know that I know that Tony Dykes lives pretty close over to the SME campus. Like, he's within like a mile or like a, like a mile and a half or something like that last time I heard. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, trying to measure that? And I saw in the story it said, as the. As don't the, think for a moment that they don't do that, Matt. I mean, you yeah. and I both know this that if there's a way to circumvent, they'll do it. And they should. Okay, now which one, say that one more time for me. I like to kind of get on the bandwagon of some of these kids out of that district that Midway's in, either DeSoto or Duncanville. Who's the Cedar Hill kid that I'm supposed to be excited about? Jalen well, Peoples? Well, Jalen Pe- Peoples, he's a defensive back. We have him rated as a high three-star at a 5.7 rating. Uh, it should be coming in. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I think he's coming out on the 18th for his official visit. Um, and he's got a finalist of five schools. That's Baylor, Tech, Iowa, Kansas and SMU, and he's planning on doing official visits to all of them, and we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I, I know back in late February that he was pretty close to committing, and it sounded like he was going to go to 
it, it was going to announce to Baylor the way the way I understood it, and then he kind of held off, which is fine. But it's a matter of okay, he wanted to push his own reset button and kind of evaluate, and I kind of actually credit him for making that decision. If you don't know, then don't do it just yet. Don't do it just because you see a lot of other kids doing it. Because I promise you that a lot of these kids in the history of you, in the years that you and I have watched this, Matt, uh, in recruiting, a lot of these kids make this decision without really knowing what they're doing. And that's the sad thing about it. And that's why you've got the portal filled with as many kids as, as it is. Yeah, and that's why you have, like, Texas State not taking a single high school kid. Now, they may yeah. end up – They, I think they're going to have a big open camp – and they may end up taking some high school kids. But what they did is say, we're just going to look at this portal, and those kids have already been coached up somewhat and have more experience, and let's see what we got here before we even take a high school class. Same thing. We'll with, uh, I saw there was a tweet from Fran Fraschilla about a week, in, a week or so ago where he talked to an unidentified top 25, top 40 coach who told him the same thing. He goes, we're never going to recruit high schools again because we're going to go to the portal because it's like the NBA. We've got guys who have been – who are physically advanced than they were from high school. They've been coached, maybe not under the system that fits them or whatever, but they've got some sort of history to them at a higher level. So why take the sure thing? You can take the sure thing rather than, if you will, the project. Yeah, I was trying to figure out who that might be. Do we count Texas well, I think a lot of people top? suggested yeah. it might have been Eric Musselman at Arkansas, but, I mean, I don't oh, know. That's yeah. just what, what people were suspecting on that. So, Boy, that's a man who loves to see himself in the mirror. All right, Kevin, we, uh, <laughs> we, we appreciate you joining us. Always fun to have you on, and I'll, uh, talk, I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, Matt. Good to be with you. And, Gary, good to talk to you again, too. You too, Kevin. There they go. Boy, good to see a couple of recruiting gurus together. Garrett Ross and Kevin Longquist. You can follow him at Rivals, uh, and you can follow Garrett does some stuff for a 24-7. I didn't think you all would talk, but it turns out you're actually friends. So I am. Good. Kevin's helped me out a lot. That's good. That's good to help each other in life. That's what we're called to do. That's what the Lord has told us to do, Garrett. All right. Uh, boy, speaking of religion, here's a guy that loves some good religion. It is none other than touchdown Tommy Barfield. He's waiting in the wings, and he'll take you four to six. Get you ready. Get some big softball coming up. I'm excited about that softball, man. Crawford involved. Uh, got Ward White's ready to use those golden pipes to do some softball and uh, get loaded up with some really good coverage uh, here at ESPN Central Texas. Here he comes, Tom Barfield. We'll see you tomorrow at 3 o'clock.